Good evening, and welcome to tonight's town hall meeting. I'm Frederick County Executive Jan Gardner. Thank you for joining us this evening. We're having a hybrid meeting with some in-person attendance, as well as some people um, attending virtually. The topic for this evening's town hall is the Frederick County Legislative Package for the upcoming 2023 state legislative session. The state session will begin on January 11th, 2023, run for 90 days, ending on Monday, April 10th. Usually I prepare the legislative package to present to the state delegation in November so they can be prepared for the upcoming Legislative General Assembly uh, session. However, with a new uh, county executive taking office in December, I have instead decided to initiate my usual public uh, process, and then I will take all the information I gather for the legislative package and um, meet with the county executive-elect in November, provide them with the information, and hopefully they will then choose to advance this to our delegation. So tonight's town hall is all about hearing from you. We want your feedback on the proposals and suggestions and initiatives that are already proposed in the package, and we've also collected input from a number of organizations, boards, and commissions. If you have any new ideas or suggestions for legislation to include in our, in our package of legislative priorities, this is a good time for you to share those with us. Before we begin, I'd ask those of you who are here who are able to stand and join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Joining me this evening is Joy Schaefer, who's my Director of Government Affairs for Frederick County Government, and also here's Vivian Laxton, who's our Communications Director. This is a town hall meeting. It's an opportunity for me to gather public input. It's a little more casual than a regular public hearing, but again, the goal here is to hear from you. I do want to start off sharing some information about how the process works and then the information about uh, the items we currently have in the package. Now, under charter government, the county executive has the responsibility to create and present legislative initiatives and advocate for the county's priorities during the state legislative session in Annapolis. Local bills are presented to our state delegation for their consideration and introduction during the legislative session. Legislative initiatives are developed each year with ideas gathered from the public, from county agencies, civic organizations, municipal leaders, and of course, the county council. I believe the way we develop our legislative priorities with an extensive public input process is an example of good government. The process is unique among charter counties and allows us to present a comprehensive legislative uh, package and also a single legislative package, which I believe adds strength to our proposals and our positions. Now each year, a few months after the session ends, we begin to review our, the past session, look at what was successful and what wasn't, and develop legislative issues and priority for the following year. To ensure public input, my administration kicks off the process by sending out letters and soliciting input to nonprofits and civic organizations, as well as our boards and commissions, and we usually do that in early August. Soliciting their ideas and asking them to identify issues or concerns that could best be addressed through state legislation. The list has grown over time, and this year we reached out to over 85 organizations. We've received input and requests from 11 organizations, and maybe one more today. We have uh, some requests have specific uh, suggestions for legislation. 
Others communicate support for positions related to legislation that might be proposed during the session or modifications to legislation that was passed in a previous session. And some provide input and information with regard to their area of concern. Most identify a need for sustained or increased state funding to meet the growing needs in our community. Now the county council uh, is part of this process and tonight we are including a bill that was initiated uh, by county council member Jessica Fitzwater and I'll explain that in a few minutes as well. So all of the information that we've gathered as well as the summary requests we've received are posted on our webpage and you can find them at frederickcountymd.gov legislative. The website should uh, be posted on the bottom of your screen as well. So to participate virtually and to give comment this evening, you should call 855-925-2801 and enter code 8634. Press star one to listen to the meeting. Press star two to leave a recorded message that will be play, will play at, uh, later in the meeting. And star three if you wanna wait in the queue to actually speak. Please keep your phone muted until it's time for you to speak and turn off other electronic equipment. Again, that number is 855-925-2801 and enter code 8634. Now this year, as the county executive, I am proposing two pieces of legislation for inclusion in the legislative package. The first bill I'm proposing is a statewide bill and it makes two changes to the Natural Resources Act regarding the use of forest conservation funding and the forest banking program. Now, I advanced this legislation last year. It had some pretty broad uh, support from a breadth of stakeholders, including the Farm Bureau, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and other environmental groups, and the Maryland building industry. Um, I'm hopeful that this session will be successful in passing this bill. Sometimes it takes more than one year to get a bill passed. This bill would benefit not only Frederick County, but also our 12 municipalities. The first change is to remove the deadline of December 31st, 2020 for forest conservation plans to have been received by the state and approved in order to move forward with the forest banking program. This bill um, again, would allow, effectively allow the forest banking program to continue until the year 2024. In 2021, the state legislature decided to take this section of state law and do a comprehensive overhaul or refresh, and they created a study group or technical review group to review and modernize the law. As part of that decision, they also made a change in the date for the forest banking program, which had the effect of, um, of ending the longstanding 20-year-old very effective um, forest banking program until that study was completed sometime in 2024. Now this bill would keep the existing program in place until that broader review is completed and other recommendations are made. And this is important to us. The forest banking program in Frederick County has preserved over 2,500 acres of existing forest, which is about 40% of the total acreage of existing forest preserved by conservation easements. Forests have been saved, including those along the scenic Monocacy River, habitat for rare, threatened, or endangered species, and miles of buffers along other tributaries. The current December 31st, 2020 deadline put all of these uh, forest banking plans in jeopardy. In fact, it prevented some property owners who were partway through the process from uh, continuing. And um, despite having the, 
spent money to already get that forest banking plan um, started. The deadline ended the ability to include existing forests in the banking program and will leave important stream buffers and forested floodplain areas unprotected. Through the banking program, new forest is often planted adjacent to existing forests to create a wider stream buffer. So the law as written today prohibits the existing forests along the stream banks from being protected by a conservation easement as part of the forest banking program. So um, that is one change to the law is that date. The second change to the forest law is um, the inability to bank existing forest. Excuse me, that's, that's the, same, the same as this part. Um, is that a, a December 31st, 2020 uh, date. So the second part of the bill is a change that was actually proposed to force conservation funding to allow the time frame for expenditure of those funds by local governments, both counties and municipalities, to um, expend them. Uh, money is deposited in the Forest Conservation Fund, and the towns have two years and counties to spend that. Now, this change was suggested by the town of Emmitsburg. Current law requires local jurisdictions to use this money deposited in this, in this fund within two years. Now, spending these funds within two years can be a challenge. First, many state, local, and nonprofit tree planting programs have been put in place since the Forest Conservation Fund was established in the early 1990s. And with numerous tree planting programs, which certainly are of great benefit to increasing forest coverage, has made it more challenging for local forest conservation programs to effectively utilize all the monies within two years because many of these programs are now competing for the same planting sites. Second, it takes a significant amount of time to find suitable planting sites, negotiate with the property owners, write and execute legal agreements, create reforestation plans, and obtain surveyors and planning services all within that two years. And third, when planning projects are identified, there are times when the project must be placed on hold uh, until an, an adequate amount of funding has been uh, collected or accumulated, and in some cases that can take more than two years. That's particularly true for our smaller municipalities like Emmitsburg. Having to return money if it's not expended after two years to the developers really uh, jeopardizes the planting efforts, and it's really not consistent with the intent of the legislation. So Emmitsburg has, uh, and other small towns, have a limited amount of development that occurs. So the projects that do locate in the town are often small, and the fees collected to enable the completion of restoration requirements may take years to accumulate. Emmitsburg's Forest Conservation Fund currently has $9,886 in it. The town hired a contractor to create a street tree plan and bidding documents for uh, the project. That has had estimated cost of $70,000. So even with possible grant funds, the town will still need a few more years to accumulate enough funds to adequately complete the project. So my objective in extending the time frame to five years would allow jurisdictions and county governments across the state enough time to adequately and effectively use these funds for tree planting projects. Now the second piece of legislation I uh, have um, requested to include in the package this year is to protect both our county employees and those incarcerated at the Frederick County Adult Detention Center or the ADC. A small number of our maintenance staff in the Division of Public Works are stationed at the Adult Detention Center. These staff have direct personal contact with incarcerated individuals on a regular basis. Enabling the administration of polygraph or lie detector tests as a condition of employment for these staff 
as currently permitted under state law for correctional officers, is critical to improving overall security and safety for everyone at the facility. I am proposing um, in this bill to add Frederick County to a long list of other counties and jurisdictions already authorized to do this, to allow us to add any personnel that have direct personal contact to, be, to submit a polygraph text as a, a condition of employment. This will improve the overall security and safety at the adult detention center, and it has the strong support of the sheriff. And having looked through the state bill, I could tell you most counties already do this. So this would be authorizing uh, legislation. In addition to my two bills, the county council has voted to advance uh, one bill, um, and that bill was proposed by council member Jessica Fitzwater, and it would increase the marriage license fee surcharge which is required by law to be directed towards programs that address domestic violence. And I'll note that this bill has received support from the Frederick County Commission for Women. The Hart and Hartley House also testified in support at the County Council's meeting on September 20th. So I'll explain this bill uh, on behalf of Councilmember Fitzwater. The um, bill would increase the county's marriage license fee surcharge. By state law, the fee for a marriage license is set at $10, five of which is retained by uh, the clerk of the court and the other five paid to the general fund of the county. Currently, the county, Frederick County, charges a surcharge of $65, bringing the total marriage license fee to $75. And that's been at $75 since 2005. The county council's proposed legislation would increase Frederick County's marriage license surcharge by $10, per license from $65 to $75, making the total uh, marriage license fee in Frederick County $85. In Frederick County, there's only one nonprofit organization that provides these services, and that is Hartley House. In fiscal year 21, $139,000 was directed through this program to Hartley House, and this represents about 4.5% of the organization's total budget. Hartley House President and Executive Director, Director Inga James testified at the council public hearing on this proposal, indicating that the majority of the grants they receive do not cover staff and basic operating costs. She noted the organization uses these funds for day-to-day -day operating costs to run the organization, and that in fiscal year 22, this surcharge covered about 18% of their operating expenses. She also noted that since the start of COVID, they have increased the number of clients they've served by 57%. So in addition to these bills, um, these three bills just described, we've had input from a number of county organizations and county agencies and our boards and commissions. I'm not going to uh, share all of them. You can again find it on our webpage at frederickcountymd.gov slash legislative. Um, but I am gonna mention a few. Two came from our municipalities. One was from Emmitsburg, which I've already talked to you about. The other was from the town of Newmarket. The town would like the county to have the ability to create an exception to the motor vehicle registration requirements for golf carts operating on certain county roads. They would like to authorize the county to designate county highways on which a person can operate a golf cart. Um, I am not going to advance this bill uh, in the package due to several concerns. First of all, first and foremost, our safety concerns about having these types of vehicles, golf carts, sharing the roadway with cars and trucks. Second, it's burdensome and costly to county government. Because the bill as written 
would apply to all roads with a speed limit of 35 miles an hour or less. That's 700 miles of roads in Frederick County, and it will require a substantial amount of staff time and energy to evaluate these roads for that purpose. And it will require signage, which is also an expenditure of county time and dollars. And finally, there will be a need for enforcement and the costs associated with enforcing this rule. With regard to enforcement, our Sheriff's Office has opposed this bill last session, as did I. When I made him aware of this request, Sheriff Jenkins made it clear that he remains opposed to this legislation for a number of traffic safety reasons. Sheriff Jenkins noted that his office already deals with many traffic complaints daily, having to do with speed enforcement and aggressive driving, and that these large traffic safety issues must be considered. So for those reasons, I wanted to share that that bill's been requested, but I do not intend to advance it. Um, all of the other requests that the county received were position statements or advocacy for legislation or are requests for continued or additional state funding for a variety of purposes. The United Way of Frederick County requested support for legislation that supports the most vulnerable in our community, which includes our Alice households. Particularly with regard to viable and long-lasting transportation solutions, affordable housing, equitable access to health care and immunizations, the availability of affordable quality child care, the expansion of the state's broadband emergency benefit program, and continued state funding for the volunteer income tax assistance program. The Sierra Club, a Catoctin group, requested support for several items, including the reform of the Empower Maryland program, which passed in 2022 but was then vetoed. Maryland uh, joined other states in adopting policy to promote increased sales of electric, medium, and heavy-duty trucks through 2035. And they also um, request the reauthorization of and improvements to the community solar program. And that dovetails with a request from our Sustainability Commission to leverage state dollars with federal funds to accelerate support for community solar projects. The Historic Preservation Commission requested sustained or increased state funding for Maryland's Historic Preservation Grant Program, as well as an amendment to state law which requires property owners to obtain National Register designation or eligibility, which could be a challenge for some. The Commission also requested items that are particularly important to the county, such as support for increasing acquisition funding for the Historic Preservation Training Center, which is located right here in Frederick County, so I certainly support that request, and the allocation of funding to the State Barn Preservation Fund and support for recommendations outlined in the 2022 Historic African American Cemeteries Report, including the provisions of funding for African American cemetery maintenance, rehabilitation, and restoration activities, the creation of a statutory requirement to strengthen cemetery protection, and an increase of penalties for violation of Maryland cemetery laws. We also had requests for advocacy and a variety of positions and for funding increases from the Affordable Housing Council, the ARC of Frederick County, the Career Firefighters Association of Frederick County, and the Frederick County Association of Realtors. And again, you can read about all of these uh, legislative items and suggestions on the county webpage, which is frederickcountymd.gov legislative. So... Um, at this point, I want to uh, turn it over and begin our public comment. And I will, um, after we take public comment from the people in the room, we'll go to the phones, and I will um, remind you of that phone number uh, at that point in time. Okay. 
and we would like people to come to the table to sit and uh, make their presentation. So um, with that, I don't have a list. Do I have a list of people signed up? I think the first, I'm not sure that I do, but if I don't, uh, I think uh, the first person, why don't you come up, Karen, and um, I, I know who, you were the first person here, so I'm going to ask you to speak first. This is Karen Yoho, who's a member of our Frederick County Board of Education. And would you, oh, somebody's already turned on your microphone for you. You're good. Oh, very good. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, right now, this seems like a very small issue, but it's important to some of our teachers and it's because it's important for some of our students. And this has to do, it's called Career Exploration and Development Activities Coffee. And when I first heard about this, my, you know, first thinking as a parent and educator was why would we want students selling coffee? But the teachers and the students themselves made such a good case in Annapolis giving testimony um, in early 2020 um, that I understood. And this is for students with IEPs in our uh, Learning for Life classes um, that as part of their IEPs it has them interacting with same age peers. And the teachers explained why coffee because they had tried smoothies they had tried other things and they were either too complicated or the materials the the supplies needed were difficult to maintain and coffee fit the bill to uh, I'm sorry about the pun um, for the students and so um, that's what it was settled on it's affordable and the students just they were just charming and made their the case themselves and it was moving along nicely after that, and then we know what happened in 2020, COVID hit. And last year, um, it was brought up again. There seemed to be a little issue with the IEP, and I, I didn't get as involved as I should have. Our board was very busy with trying to recover from COVID. So um, we want to get this going again because it's important for these students and uh, to help them um, meet this need on their IEP. So we, um, I came here tonight to just ask you, and, and also we'll be looking at the delegation. Um, part of the problem comes in, of course, as you alluded to, is with elections. It hits at an interesting time to really gear up and get this going. So appreciate you uh, giving. And Ms. Schaefer is intimately aware with of this. She that was started when um, she was still on our board. So. Well, thank you for taking the time to come in tonight. I do remember when this was introduced previously. I thought it was introduced again last year. I'm not sure why it didn't advance, but as I said with another bill, it often takes multiple years to get something accomplished in Annapolis. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Um, next, I have Carrie uh, Hesley. I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Carrie. Um, thanks for having me. I'm actually here with the Sierra Club Catoctin okay. Group. Um, I had just planned on coming to thank you for reaching out to us. Um, but I did note when you uh, were commenting about what we had asked for, that one of the things that we asked for that you omitted, I just want to make sure, okay. um, is that we believe it is time now for a statewide bottle bill. And a bottle bill, for uh, people who don't know, it's a deposit bill where when you buy a bottle of water, Coke, you put a deposit down, and when you return the bottle, you get it back. Ten states have done it, and the 
litter is markedly decreased in those states because beverage bottles comprise about 40 to 60 percent of litter on the road. Um, and so those states, I have a figure here, have uh, those states that did surveys reported a litter reduction of 70 to 83 percent um, of bottles and an overall decrease in litter of 30 to almost half. So for that reason, we're requesting it. We think it's time. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, and I apologize That's for excluding no that. It was in your letter. It was. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Thank you. And so I try to summarize things, and so I apologize for missing that one. All right. I know there's a couple other people in the room. Would anybody else like to add anything? All right. I think, do we have any uh, callers? Well, if you're watching this and you want to call in, you can call 855-925-2801 and enter code 8634. Again, press star 1 to listen, star 2 to leave a recorded message, and star 3 to join in the speaker's queue. And again, that number is 855-925-2801, code 8634. So Ms. Schaefer received some voicemail messages earlier today. I'm going to let her go first with that, and we do have one new one since the meeting began. Okay, thank you. Yes, this is Stanley Demich. I live on Spout Spring Road in Frederick, and my concern is the real estate taxes for elderly. I'm 86 years old, and I'm still paying $3,000 a year for my real estate taxes, and I, I get no services. However, if, if there's some way somebody could introduce a bill to get the delegates to introduce that the elderly stop paying real estate taxes, I'm sure there's enough money there that they can afford to do that. My telephone number is 662-7067. Okay. All right. Thank you. Do you have another one? Kevin Haluk, I was wondering what is budgeted for bike and trailways in Frederick County. The county did an extensive study on implementing uh, bike and trailways, and I'd like to know what the budget uh, amount is allocated for that purpose. Uh, my name is Kevin Haluk. My number is 240. All right, thank you. And then do we have a, a, another caller on the line? Uh, not a live caller. We have someone else who left a voicemail message okay. just recently. Good evening. My name is Nicholas Carrera. I live at 2602 Thurston Road. Um, my, proposal, um, my proposal deal with transparency in our government bodies. I think our, our county executive should propose um, to the General Assembly one, a, a bill that would ban any state or local government entity from entering into a non-disclosure agreement. The second type of uh, legislation I'd like to see proposed would be to enact some meaningful penalties for violation of Maryland's Open Meetings Act and also also uh, a meaningful uh, via, meaningful penalty for any any government body in non that is in non-compliance 
with Maryland's Public Information Act. So those those would be uh, to strengthen the, the, the strengthen the 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 effectiveness of Maryland's Open Meetings Act and Maryland's Public Information Act. Thank you very much. Okay. Is there anybody else? We do not have any live callers and no additional messages. Okay. I will provide a little bit of feedback on a couple of these items. I will note that the county does have um, a senior property tax credit, and maybe we can make that information available to this gentleman, as well as the state homeowners uh, tax credit program, which um, is based on income, but um, for some seniors, uh, it can actually pay the entirety of their property tax bill. So there are a variety of senior tax programs there, and we do have a local senior tax uh, property tax credit. Um, as far as bikeways and trails, uh, we and during my term as county executive, we did add to our capital improvement projects money for uh, bikeways and trails, and we adopted a plan. I am pleased to say we just received a $5 million grant to actually do the construction of the um, Pennsylvania Frederick Railway, which it runs from uh, Maryland 26 behind Wegmans up to Walkersville, and will connect with a city trail. So that is actually funded for construction. We did open the Ballinger Creek uh, Trail um, about two years ago, and we have fully designed a um, side path along, uh, well, a phase one of a side path along New Design Road, and we're going to add some bike lanes to connect to that uh, at the northern end of New Design Road. And so I think we have about $2.5 million in the fiscal year 23 but capital budget for bikes and trails. It does take us some time to design um, bikeways and trails, and we do generally take advantage of federal grants um, because that, and they fund the bulk of the um, bikeway and trail program. Um, so I think that uh, addresses um, the items from the callers. So do we have anyone else? We do not. All right. Uh, anybody in the room have anything they'd like to add? Well, thank you for joining us this, us this evening. I appreciate your input to help shape our legislative package for the upcoming legislative session. And with that, we're